Hi friend, it's 2020. If you're anything like me, this year has been hard. Have you had days that feel confusing, disappointing, or just totally overwhelming? Especially in times like these, and really no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself looking for something real? Do you ever stay up late at night wondering if there's more to this world than the chaos in your social media feed? Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed to years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if you're just not so sure about Jesus. So for those who are wandering, wondering, skeptical, or just need some encouragement, we all need encouragement these days, don't we? This podcast is for you. Please come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood. I'm so glad you're listening today. If you are a first-time listener, welcome. Today's a good day to start listening in because we are officially launching into season three. In July, we wrapped up our Clarity 2020 season by having conversations with guests about finding joy and laughter. And I don't know about you, but for me, those were very, very necessary. (laughs) So I'm very thankful that we got to have those conversations. But as I announced last week, we're going to be diving into a new season, and I'm calling this the Deep Faith Question Series. Super excited about the guests that we have already lined up for some of these questions and conversations. And if you have a burning question about faith and you're listening to this and you want to reach out to me, um, we're still figuring out some, some of the episodes, even as I speak and share this today. So go ahead and reach out to me. You can You can find out how to reach me by going to my website, JanelleWood.com, either through Instagram or JanelleMWood at gmail.com. Those are good ways as well. So um, I am still working on a free gift that um, I can't wait to share with my email subscribers. Um, I'll be talking a little bit more about that next week. It's something that um, I've been working on for a little while. So when it's finally out in the world, I'll definitely make sure that you know about it. Um, But it's something that um, I wish that I had had a while ago. And um, I'm excited to share that with you. So I'll be talking more about that next week. Um, If you're not signed up for my email list already, and you want to know about that um, free gift early on, I'm hoping to get that out before uh, next week, because I cannot believe it, but we're already in mid-August. It's so weird. Um, You can sign up for my email list by going to JanelleWood.com or FindingSomethingReal.com and looking for Clarity 2020 at the top of the page. Um, So today, friend... I am very excited about our conversation, Um, the conversation that I get to share um, with today's guest. His name is Bob Hostetler. 
you might be listening just because you like Bob. And I understand that because I like Bob too. (laughs) He's genuine, humble, humorous, and I believe extremely wise. He's also a prolific book author and incredibly well-respected as a literary agent in the Christian publishing industry. And I just am grateful that he took the time to just share um, a bunch of different things with me and and with you. Um, This conversation is a gift and it's rich. So um, it's actually divided into two parts. Um, We talked about everything from his background as a writer to the source of his joy, to how he feels about spiritual questions, to prayer, and some other things as well. And I think that you're really going to enjoy it. And I'm excited to share part one one today. And part two of our conversation is set to air on Friday this week. So I pray this encourages you today, friend. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. We have been talking about joy on the podcast the last few weeks in July, and now we're into August, obviously. And I'm really excited because today's guest is um, more of a transitional guest. And what I mean by that is he's a very funny man who makes me laugh, but we're going to be talking about some hard questions. And I'm excited to, um, to ask him some of those. Um, I think he can handle it. So a little background on this. Um, Two summers ago, I went to my very first writer's conference. It was the OCW, Oregon Christian Writer's Conference. And I remember being so intimidated and overwhelmed by an industry and professionals that until then, I didn't even really know existed. And then last summer, fast forward a year, I was delighted to serve as a conference photographer at SoCal Christian Writer's Conference. And it was a smaller conference, and there were some amazing people there. And here was this book agent who had been at OCW the year before. And if you're not familiar with the publishing world, uh, this may not be common knowledge, but in the writing world, book agents are, at least in my perspective, kind of thought of as a big deal. Um, Because for a lot of wannabe authors, these agents are perceived as gatekeepers. Um, At least to me, (laughs) they were. And... Here's this prolific writer, someone who's written over 50 books and sold millions of copies. He's a veteran agent and somebody that I, if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know I get intimidated and act a fool when I'm around people that I feel that way about. And here he is, um, this guy with a reputation, a reputation as a fantastic speaker, a top-notch agent, a very witty author and person who knows his stuff, and he's known as a man who loves God and his family. Very, very high reputation. And of course, um, like I said, I sometimes act (laughs) ridiculous when I judge someone by outward appearances. And I would have been intimidated again by all of this at that conference, except I had a a camera around my neck, and I have done photography for quite some time and it's something I feel comfortable with and here this person is just being silly and funny and as a result of this small conference and uh, this person just being real and genuine and hilarious uh, we got to have some pretty cool conversations and by the end of that even though I feel a little intimidated intimidated today I'm not gonna lie um, I just felt like wow this is a real person who loves the Lord, 
um, and who has so much wisdom. And instead of putting him on a pedestal, um, I just realized he was a real guy. So with that intro, I'm excited to welcome to this podcast, Bob Hostetler. Bob, welcome. Thank you, Janelle. It's uh, it's fun to talk to you, to renew our friendship uh, started, I guess, just a year ago now. So uh, yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. I know you're a busy person. In fact, I just read an article that I think you shared today on the Steve Lobby uh, website about a- being an agent and thought that was pretty cool. I googled your name and found something that you wrote today. Right. Well, it posted today. I wrote it a little bit ago. That, by the way, is stevelobby.com. That's L-A-U-B-E.com. Uh, for aspiring writers, that's a great site to visit every day because uh, the agents and the agency post uh, free advice and, and uh, the others have wisdom to share. Mine is mostly, as you say, silly, but uh, yeah, it's a great site. No, you you have a lot of wisdom on there, and I've seen quite a few things that you've written. And actually, I think I get an email from Steve Lobby's agency every Friday. I think you can sign up for their email and uh, get a link for uh, what's going on on the blog there. If people want to find out more about you, uh, Bob, I know you've got a lot going on. What's the best way for them to find you? Well, as an agent, uh, if you want to find out about my work as a literary agent, that website stevelobby.com is as good as any um and each of us each of the agents within the agency have actually posted uh, if you go into the blog and look in the sidebar about what we're looking for the kind of author the kind of book that sort of thing as an author my website is just my name bobhostetler.com and uh if i don't not sure why you'd want to know more about me but if you do that's the place to go but I also do, I do a couple blogs. I blog on oneprayeraday.com uh, every day, one prayer a day. That's why it's called that. And <laughs> weekly, uh, I have a blog within the guideposts.com website where I blog weekly about prayer. So, Okay. So you're a prolific writer. You've also done things I, I saw on your website because I did want to find out more about you, uh, that you've been a DJ You've been a pastor. You're obviously a husband and father. Um, did you always know that you wanted to be a writer? And, and what was that journey like for you? No. Uh, as a child, I, uh, I wanted to be the second baseman for the Reds, um, Cincinnati Reds. Uh, that didn't work out. I also, uh, early in my life, thought I wanted to be an artist. Uh, people told me I was good at drawing. Uh, but I, and I actually took a, a, my first when I first enrolled in college, it was in a in a fine arts program. But uh, I learned that I can only draw so many pictures of fruit. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, so thing about writing is that, you know, it's ever changing. It's always uh, something new, something and the research, the writing, the so much to learn, so much to to change. So uh I don't know when I first thought in terms of being a writer because uh, I was still in my teens when God called me to ministry uh, along with my wife. And, uh, and so that was the path that I thought would dictate the rest of my life. But at age 19, because I set goals every year, every January, instead of resolutions, I do goals. And at that point, at age 19, I 
set a lifetime goal to write one book in my lifetime. I thought, how many people get to do that? Just to write a book. I thought it'd be cool. It wasn't necessarily a career aspiration. It was just something I thought would be cool. Within five or six years, I revised that to a five-year goal, made it a lifetime goal to publish one book. So I know that at least in my teens and early 20s, I was thinking in terms of of writing and publishing. Mm. Uh, but it, because I thought my path was pastoral ministry, and it was for, for many years and in many different situations, has been, um, uh, I didn't see it as a career path, but I, I was just raised in a family of readers and writers. And so that was just kind of a way of life with me and my two older brothers, much older brothers. Wow. So you said you felt called to ministry at an early age. Did you grow up in a Christian home? And it seems like writing has become your ministry. It has. It's been, you know, I'm a, 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 I see my, my spiritual gift as being a gift of communication. So writing and speaking, preaching, teaching, kind of all, it's kind of the same ball of wax. And so even as a pastor, I was, I was writing and as well as preaching and speaking. But um, yeah, I, I was raised in a, in a Christian family in Cincinnati, Ohio. And in fact, my first faith experience, I might've been four or five when I first knelt at a, at a children's church altar and uh, invited Jesus to take control of my life and change me from the inside out. And he did, it took him a few years. <laughs> And that, that commitment was renewed a few times over the years. But, uh, but I, I feel like, you know, I, I can't say on this date I became a follower of Jesus, but I can say that I was more or less raised in the awareness of God and the awareness that Jesus loved me and um, kind of grew into that with more and more understanding over the years. And one commitment followed another uh, as that knowledge of God deepened and broadened. Um, but yeah, it's been pretty much all my life uh, learning more and more about uh, who God is and, and that Jesus loves me and how he loves me. Mm. There's a lot of people who come to Christ and then um, it, it's interesting. I, I got a private message from somebody recently where she was talking about um, I had had someone here on the podcast and she said something about, oh, they're a beacon type of Christian. And I said, a beacon type of Christian. And she said, well, you know, uh, they take that seriously about letting your light shine. And I thought, well, shouldn't we all be <laughs> those kind of people? In fact, I, I kind of was, um, it, it kind of triggered something in me because I felt like, well, that was, God asked all of us to do that. Um so when you when you say you were called to ministry, what what did that look like for you? Did you feel like that was something different than just being a believer and follower of Christ? Well, uh, at that time, yes, uh, it's it's changed over the years. But at that time, yeah, in my teens, I uh, actually the part I left out in my teens, I I worked at a as a uh, at my high school had a radio station, small wattage radio station. And so I was a disc jockey uh, for a number of years on uh, WRCJ 89.3 on your FM dial. And <laughs> still remember that to this day. 
the uh, and so I thought I was going to be a disc jockey. Uh, started dating the uh, young woman who became my wife, mm. and uh, together, actually, I think uh, she was aware of a cult of ministry sometime before I was, but. We uh, dated for three years, became quite serious. And by the time I asked her to marry me, which we were both probably 18 or so at the time, we got married at 19. Wow. By that time, uh, we, we both had acknowledged a call to uh, a unique ministry. We were, uh, our church, our faith tradition growing up for both of us was the Salvation Army, which is a missional uh, uh, Wesleyan denomination, but also a human services agency. Most people are more familiar with the human services side of it. Uh, you know, the meals, the camps, the, uh, the uh, assistance that they give to folks. But, uh, but that, that was our church growing up. And so for, uh, for 12 years, both she and I, we, were, we went away to school and were ordained as Salvation Army lieutenants and served uh, three different churches over and, and a, an executive appointment of, uh, for the two of us at the national headquarters over the course of 12 years in that ministry. And so, yeah, in my teens, I think the call to ministry was very specific. I saw that as we're going to be in this particular ministry for the rest of our lives. That's not how it shook out, but that was how it existed in my head at the time. Mm -hmm. What does your ministry look like now? Well, it's, uh, yeah, boy, it's, it's changed a lot over the years because as I said, we did that for 12 years and then I wrote for uh, uh, full-time for most of a decade. Uh, my wife and I planted a church uh, in the year 2000 in Oxford, Ohio, the home of Miami University of Ohio. And that grew and uh, took over our lives as pastoring will do. <laughs> and so, you know, I've been a, a, I've been a pastor. I've been a pastor who writes. I've been a writer who pastors. And nowadays I'm a writer who also uh, represents writers, I guess you could say, and speaker too, because I, uh, when when the governor permits me, <laughs> I do speaking around the country, which is what led to you and I meeting. So yeah. really my ministry is a, still a ministry of the word, um, that uh, the word, capital W, flows through everything I do. Uh, uh, but these days it's less preaching and more speaking, teaching, writing, and representing writers. Mm. So not everyone who listens to this podcast is necessarily a believer. Um, and so sometimes I think um, that concept of ministry, it might be like, what is that, right? And so I'm just wondering to the person who might be listening to you and, and hears, wow, this person is very accomplished. He's written, uh, you know, over 50. How many books has it been? You know. Uh, published have been over 50. Yeah. Written over 50 books, speaks around, you know, the country, uh, does all these different things. What is the passion underlying you going around and, and making sure you didn't have to, you know, camp out in the Christian market. You didn't have to do these Christian books, which obviously your, um, your focus has been that. So, so why? Yeah, it's, you know, it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about Beacon Christians, aren't we all supposed to be that? And uh, I happen to think 
you know, when Jesus said, you are the light of the world, he, he didn't qualify that as to you should be, you ought to be, I want you to be, it's you are. And so I think every follower of Jesus, if you're a true follower of Jesus, every follower of Jesus is a light. Some of us are pretty dim, <laughs> but we're all lights in one way or the other. We may not con be conscious of the light that we're projecting. We may not uh, uh, be confident about that. And in fact, some of us have, have uh, uh, you know, have kind of the, 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 uh, the wavelength, the, the light that has traveled from us has been compromised, has been less than optimal, has not necessarily shined uh, the way we would want it to, you know. Mm. So anyway, but having, having said that, I, th I think we're all lights. It's just uh, part of our task as a follower of Jesus, my task is to figure out where, how God has worked in me. The Bible talks about gifts that he gives to different people uh, as he chooses. And just to figure out what, what his gifts to me are and how can I use those to best effect. Um, and so, and a lot of times I think, at least this is how it is for me, the gifts kind of shape my passions you know it's i'm i'm passionate about words and the word the bible god's uh recorded word as well as his way of speaking to us as individuals that that just floats my boat so to speak and so um so my passion my giftings and and just the doors that god has opened to me have kind of steered me in one direction rather than another you know mm. I, I still wouldn't mind being the second baseman for the reds but i <laughs> i don't think uh that's not a door he's open to me you know yeah. and so for many of us uh as opposed to certainly i thought i had my life charted out uh and i thought i knew what god was going to do with and through me and and he 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 didn't follow the path I thought, right? But he's opened doors along the way. And I think most of us, it's just a question of when he opens a door, are we going to walk through it? You know, mm -hmm. and that refers both to that initial, uh, sometimes tentative step into faith, as well as subsequent steps of faith. Mm, that's good. Do you have any advice for someone who might be listening to you right now and feeling like, well, I don't know what I'm gifted at? I would say the first place to look is what floats your boat, you know, and, and follow your passion, follow things that you enjoy, because if it really is a gift from God, then when you do it, there ought to be satisfaction, fulfillment that flows from it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that doesn't mean, you know, that if you, if you have stage fright, you're, you don't have a gift for speaking. Uh, it may need to be developed. You may need to overcome. There's plenty of fears all of us have to overcome on the way to exercise our gifts. But if, if, if it flows in a certain direction of, of your passion, of things that you enjoy doing, and then when you do it, if people say to you, hey, that was, that was pretty good, then that might be an indication that 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 may be a gift god has given you mm. you know i think at least in my tradition and in in 
among many people I know, I think that we tend to be much too tentative in following Jesus and thinking, oh, what if I take a wrong step, you know? And, and I don't think that there is no fear. Perfect love casts out fear, the Bible says. And so if you're proceeding lovingly in a direction that you think, well, maybe, maybe this is the way God is leading me, then he'll correct you. He may steer you a different, he may open a new door, but there's no fear in following your, your passions and your enjoyment because that's often how God produces the next C.S. Lewis or the next um, whomever, you know, mm-hmm. the next Apostle Paul. Or yeah, yeah. So um, we just wrapped up a whole month on the podcast here talking about living with joy in the midst of, you know, pandemic and all the fun uh, things that are going on in the world right now. And I, I didn't want to talk too much about that, but you are, you're so funny on social media and I just have to point that out. And I, I'm wondering, did you always know that you were funny and in terms of embracing who you are, I know you're sharing the gift of communication with the world, but was that something that you always embraced about who you are or was that something that took a while for you to accept? Well, I'll tell you a quick story. When, uh, in, in my early teens, I think I was 15, the first summer I worked at a summer camp as a staff member uh, in Ohio, a Salvation Army camp, and I was the pony boy that summer. And uh, there was this beautiful young lady uh, named Robin, who uh, was just, she's the pinnacle of, of <laughs> to me, and uh, my uber woman, as I would say now. Um, <laughs> But, but she and her friends that, that summer kind of came to an agreement of, you know, who was dateable and not dateable among, among the other camp staff members. I was on the undateable list. And that summer, at least, it was because I was, I was funny. Mm-hmm. I, w- I wasn't somebody to be taken seriously. Um, so... So she dated a good friend of mine all that summer, which really uh, didn't please me. <laughs> but we, you know, we were friends, and so we stayed in touch and so on. Well, the next summer is when we started dating and began our relationship. Um, and I don't know if it was that summer or years later that she told me about the list of dateable and undateable guys. And so, so I guess the short answer to your question is, uh, she said that she moved me to the dateable list uh, because she had seen not only was I funny, but that I took my faith seriously, that I was intent on following Jesus. And, uh, and so she respected that, moved me off that undateable list, which, whew, that was a close one. But uh, so I guess at least by the age of 15, I, uh, I at least, uh, I don't recall being necessarily funny or silly, but I, I guess to her as an observer, an outside observer, I guess I was. So I apparently had some kind of uh, sense of humor at that point. Mm. So um, Robin is your wife, am I right? Right. Uh, that's so sweet. You guys met so young. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We, we, da- we started dating at 16, uh, and 
married at 19, and now, uh, though she's still in her late 20s, mm-hmm. uh, we've been married 43 years this year. Wow, congratulations. That's together 46 years. Awesome, awesome. Um, you mentioned that you she admired that you took your faith seriously. Um, has there ever been a season where you've gone through doubt? I know ministry can be hard and... Sometimes being a communicator, uh, you know, there's stuff that happens behind the scenes that are, are hard to go through. So have you struggled with that ever, Bob? Uh, I wouldn't say I've struggled with, with, uh, with my faith. I have struggled in my faith. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, God has proven himself to me over and over again. And, and I've been through plenty of... of uh, of things that have <laughs> threatened my sanity and uh, caused me great. But see, that I think part of it is that, and I think this is the secret to joy too, to kind of go back to your theme for the past month. Uh, my, my joy increases as my praying increases. Mm. That I think it's a, a direct uh, outcome of prayer is the joy that I experience in my life. Similarly, I think the, you know, my my mother dying when I was 14 and (laughs) my son uh, pushing the the envelope when he was a teenager had us uh, gravely concerned for him and his well-being and all our prayers for him were answered long ago. Uh, Our two of our uh, five grandchildren being diagnosed with cystic fibrosis uh, and of course dealing on a daily basis with that uh, all of those kinds of things and and you know as a pastor so many uh, attacks and burdens and and disappointments and so on that often drove me to my knees but that's my point is that i i don't think i've questioned my faith though I've had questions in my faith, because every disappointment, every attack, every grief has driven me to prayer, has driven me to God. And and so even though at times it seemed like he was silent, and at times there was one period of my life where I was clinically depressed, uh, and and just, I remember on one occasion, just lying flat, face down on the floor of my study, just praying for about a half hour over and over, Lord, my help is in the name of the Lord, the maker mm. of heaven and earth. I've got nothing else. My help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, over and over again until I started to believe it, you know? Mm. And, and I think that's, he's delivered me from so much and delivered me through so much that maybe I don't discount the the possibility that I may come to a crisis of faith that will make me question him or uh, his love, but it hasn't happened yet. And I think primarily because every every uh, challenge I've faced, every disappointment has turned me to him in prayer because very often that's all I had. Mm, so good. I love that you said joy is a direct correlation with prayer. That's truth. That's I think truth. it is for me, at least. Yeah. You know, when it says uh, in Nehemiah, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's, I think that's how that works. Mm-hmm. I think the joy comes from prayer and 
prayer brings and it's it's circular it's cyclical yeah i think yeah so so true um you co-authored a number of books with josh mcdowell josh mcdowell is known <laughs> he has a reputation. I remember. I remember that. He has a reputation um, in Christian apologetics and in uh, circles. I, it, he may not be known to the people who are listening to this podcast. So, would you share with people who he is? And um, then I have a follow up question to why you work with him, I guess. <laughs> yeah. so, Josh McDowell is a, an internationally renowned apologist or defender of the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. He uh, was an atheist as a young man and basically set out to disprove the gospel, the resurrection, etc. And in his investigation, in his sincere attempts to prove that this was all bunk, uh, Josh actually discovered the, the evidence for the faith and initially became uh, famous as a lecturer on college campuses and as an author of the classic apologetic volume, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, and then shorter book called More Than a Carpenter, each of which has has, uh, um, been published in the millions of copies. So his influence as a defender of the faith is immeasurable, I think. Mm -hmm. He's been a great friend and mentor to me. Yeah. And now his son is going around defending the faith as well. Yeah, I've seen him on the Unbelievable podcast and uh, that's been fascinating to watch. And I love um, listening to apologetics. I w- was a big fan of Ravi Zacharias. And um, I just, I think so many, especially young people, have a lot of questions about faith and um, sincere doubt. And I know um, you you do work with Josh, um, or you have in the past, and um, you've written, I want to say co-authored 11 books together. Is that right? That's about right. Okay, I, I looked that up. I wasn't sure if it was correct information as of today, but um, these books that have a reputation for tackling hard questions. Um, so, how did you get involved in writing those books with him, and why? What kind of hard questions are people asking right now? Yeah, I you know, really, I as a as a teenager, I cut my teeth on Josh's earlier books. Uh, um, you know, evidence. I went through that page by page, and more than a carpenter, and so on. And and so, at, in my teen years, those those were among the books that I just devoured. Then, uh, some years later, I became a magazine editor, editor of a teen magazine, and so I interviewed Josh. I, he at that time he was uh, launching the Why Wait campaign, which was in the 1980s and late 80s. And, uh, and so he and I talked on the phone. I published an interview with him. And then uh, I put together a, a book proposal um, and sent it off to some publishers for uh, a book that talked about the evidences, but to a teen teenager, to a teen reader, and put it in accessible uh, bite-sized chunks kind of a thing. And the long story short, the editor got back to me, said he loved it, but they were under contract with a guy named Josh McDowell. For some and so I thought there, forget that. But the editor said, so uh, any chance you'd consider co-authoring? Mm. So I said, that'd be an honor. Um, and uh, so the editor uh, put me and Josh together and we started collaborating 
uh, on the book that became Don't Check Your Brains at the Door. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more about that book. Yeah, well, that it, that's the book that I had envisioned initially, and it, uh, it uh, explores evidences for the faith in a way that a, a teen reader could uh, could access and understand, um, you know, it, by way of tackling myths that are common about God, about Jesus, about the Bible, and about life, you know. So, you know, the, the, uh, the vending machine myth about God that, you know, God is just, you put your prayer in like a quarter in a vending machine, and he's supposed to answer what you want him to, or he doesn't exist, right? Um, or in, in the case of Jesus, you know, the, it talks about the various myths about the resurrection, that it was the stolen body myth or the wrong tomb myth, et cetera. Um, and, and myths about the Bible that, you know, you can't rely on what it says. It's been changed so much over the years. Well, no, actually, there's more textual evidence for the actual words you see in the Bible today being what was initially written than anything you would read by Plato or anybody else. Um, and, and so it, it just it takes that in, in short chapters uh, and then gives a little information to help the reader dig further if they want, but that confronts 42 of uh, what we consider the most common myths that people believe or are encouraged to believe about God, Jesus, the Bible, and life. Okay, friend, you are listening to episode one of season three of the Finding Something Real podcast, the one where we talk about deep faith questions, and part two of this episode with Bob Hostetler will be available starting on Friday, Lord willing. So... See you back here then. Thank you, friend, for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is a grace-filled, Christ-centered podcast for those who are wandering, wondering, or simply needing to be encouraged in their faith journeys. I hope you'll come back next week when I'll most likely be sharing a conversation with another guest about their journey towards finding something real. And if you're on Instagram, please come find me. On Fridays, I share Instagram Live podcast recaps at 11.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you're over there on the gram, you can join me for some fun live awkwardness. (laughs) And finally, if you're someone who was encouraged by today's podcast and you have friends who would benefit from hearing the story shared here, would you go ahead and share? You can do that by hitting subscribe, leaving a review, or sharing a link. Your telling others about this podcast helps bring other people along. And finally, just so you know, if you only remember one thing about this podcast, I hope it is this. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus Christ loves you, and a real relationship with Him is a treasure trove of restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. He's offering that gift to you today. I pray you believe it.